All right, Steve, the little hinge swings the big door. This is Tiny Habits. It's funny, I got this book in the mail, and it said, this book will change your life. Tiny Habits, B.J. Fogg, Ph.D., and the founder of the Stanford Behavior Design Lab. I love that name. Tiny Habits? No, Design Lab. Oh, Design like, This lab. is the recreation <laughs> lab. This podcast is a recreation lab. It's a lab you go into and recreate yourself. <laughs> I love that. Bringing something new into existence. That was the goal from, this, from the jump. That's it, man. That's, that's, that's it. All, it's, it's all. I was on a podcast yesterday, and they said, what do you want to leave us with? I said, well, here's one thing. No matter what happened to you, no matter where you are, no matter what you had, no matter where you came from or where you're going, anyone can recover from anything, no matter what. They can recreate themselves into something if they focus on it and dream about it. And they can use algorithms, all right, design their own behaviors such that they can get a transformation, starting with the very, very small and the very tiny. This is like what I've been teaching the last three years. Yeah, that's what I loved about this book. One of the things that stood out to me was the design because I've heard mm -hmm. a lot of habits. Habits have really changed my life. It started with the compound effect, little habits, and when they come and they build, but it's so hard to get people to really, really start. That's what we were just talking about before this, but the way he says how to de design them, it's mm -hmm. not just start a habit. There's a lot more that goes into it, and that's the first time I've actually heard something like that where it's behavior design. So right, that was awesome. Right, And, and uh, of course, we've done uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, yep. and I've done Charles Duhigg's book, Habit, right? The Power of Habit. I don't know which one it was, but uh, it, I don't remember. Charles Duhigg, he had the famous book, but they, 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 all, they all talk of some kind of habit formula. And of the three, I actually like BJ's the best. Hmm. His is very simple. And he, and he says there's, there's like 15 different ways psychologically people change. And uh, in his TED Talk, he goes over two because there's only two for long-term change. And the first one's very difficult. I did it was change your environment, change your actual physical and social environment. That's like the number one way to create change. Like you have to change because you're adopting and adapting to a new environment, right? That's what Darwinism is all about, right? The, the survival species um, that survives isn't always the strongest. It's usually the one that adapts to the environment most quickly that it finds itself in. So number one way to change your environment is to change your, or number one way to change long-term habits is to change your environment, right? You just go somewhere different like you did, right? You went from, you were in Orlando, now you're here. Yeah, that was a big one. I, uh, that was actually my goal mm -hmm. when I, uh, wanted to leave my job. I really always had the dream of actually living on the beach. Right. But when I was choosing what I wanted to do next, what my goal was, I said, you know what? My first goal is my lifestyle of what job I want. So mm -hmm. I opened myself up to LA and New York. And my, I was like, I'm, I'm nowhere near creative people or anything media wise right. where I'm at in Orlando. So that was a big one. I was like, I need to be somewhere where I can network with those type of people because I'm not meeting anybody. And that was a huge turning point. And yeah, now you're in the recreation lab. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you change your environment, you know, you change the people you hang around with, you change uh, where you live. And then the second way isn't what most people think it is. It isn't motivation. It isn't willpower, right? That's almost a guaranteed recipe for failure. It's to make the change that you start with tiny enough. Mm -hmm. Hence the book, Tiny Habits. The littlest, littlest thing. I love it. Uh, great book. And um, when you change something, I mean, you talk about living on the beach. Uh, it doesn't seem like a big difference. It's a little more expensive, but it's, you know, when you make a change like this, if you're doing an environmental change, it's self-funding. Like you're going to get enough productivity out of the good feeling that you get, don't you think? Definitely. It's a little bit more, but 
you know, it's, uh, you know, even to live like every morning I have coffee on the deck and I, and I have my little one page journal that I do. I do a little tiny journaling. I don't do big journaling. I do tiny journaling. Um, and it, it just creates a good vibe for the day. Definitely. And that's, uh, that's the whole thing. Um, I think another thing about environment that I'm remembering from when I lived back in Orlando was when I moved into my own place because I had roommates all through college and then after college it was my first time living right. alone. One of the things I did was not decorate my apartment. I literally left everything. I didn't get new furniture. I had old stuff. I didn't get mm. like extra. Fr- I had just the bare necessities because like you're saying with the environment is that made me feel like I'm leaving soon and I'm yeah. open to these opportunities. But if I would have decorated, that's just a small thing. But I really I it was like my whole mindset the whole year. So everything, including my apartment, including my environment and what I did on the weekends was all about where the next opportunity is. When you fail at a goal, a lot of people think it's a character flaw. All right. And he, he says something I think is very profound. He said, it's a design flaw. You haven't set yourself up to win at the goal. Mm. You haven't put yourself in a stadium. Cause they talk about the stadium swap where you can win and feel good about it because uh, people change best when they feel good about something they've done. So the tiny habit of doing something like when someone is really, really big, like I'm coaching a guy on TikTok right now. Right. I think he's about at least 600 pounds. It might be 500 Damn. pounds now. He's down 100 pounds and he's moving like crazy. Like yeah. he's doing these things. And I, and I messaged him. I said, dude, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Like your body's not ready for that. Like your motivation's high, but your ability is very low. And I'm going to talk to you about a motivation metrics in a second where there's two axes at work is motivation and then there's ability. Mm-hmm. And if your motivation is high and your ability to do something is low, like in this guy's case, like he's got oxygen. Right. So he's not in a place where he could run marathons or, right. you know, start putting stress in his body because what's going to happen? Overdo it. And what's going to happen? Hurt himself, die. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. yeah, he could die. I mean, it's a really big deal. So I was coaching him. I said, dude, it's, this is 98% weight. Uh, weight loss is 98% uh, nutrition, isn't it? I think it's a lot, yeah. I mean, it's it was for me. Like I lost a lot of weight before I started moving. Moving is important, but nutrition is is way more important. And you know, if he gets hurt, he's not going to feel feel um, feel good. He's going to stop. So, like people change best when they feel good. Yeah. And in his program, he talks about the celebration of of doing something tiny. Uh, like I would say, you know, drink a bottle of water. Like how much water do you drink? I don't know how much he drinks, but eliminate one Coke and supplement it with a water. Like that's a tiny thing. And when you do it, you, um, you celebrate. I love to celebrate. Yeah. The celebrate like you, 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 well, that triggers the, uh, that triggers the pharmacy in your brain. Yeah. The dope, the dopamine, the, the I call it the dose dopamine, (laughs) oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. That's all happens when you celebrate, you feel really good. Um, and that's it. You know, when, when you do that, when you do, when you do that, when you do one tiny thing and you're drinking one bottle, if you're 500 pounds, you drink one bottle today and you celebrate that you did it, then you're in a position to do two tomorrow because what happens is Sir Isaac Newton shows up at the party. (laughs) You know, you know, something in motion tends to stay in motion. Something at rest tends to stay at rest. Um, and the long-term change starts by starting small and the goal is, and this was in Charles Duhigg's book, is to get into the state of automaticity, which is a, a habit, like it's a subconscious habit. That's where habit lies in the basal ganglia. 
you know, the, the, the basal ganglia is the brain, uh, the, the, the early brain that just does things by in, pure instinct. So once you hit something in the bangal ganglia, it's automatic. Right. And it starts by doing something small. Uh, did, you, did you see any of the stuff he did small to, to change his ways? Well, let me, let me, let me tell you what, what, what he, why he did, decided to do this. He had a speech impediment. Who's this? Uh, B.J. Fogg. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had, a, like in the beginning of the book, he talks about his, he had a really high voice as a kid. They used to call him right. Chipmunk or Mouse or Squirrel. He used to talk like this, <laughs> like High Pitch Eric does right. on, on Howard Stern show. And he doesn't talk like that anymore. He actually narrated his own book. And it was a series of being in a room and, and trying to, to get that part of his voice working low. And he did it over and over and little ones at a time. He, and it was, a, you know, it's something he had a massive motivation to do, but he really didn't have the ability. He didn't know how to do it. So he had to start really small with one word. All right. So when you have the ma- a motivation and you don't have the ability, you got to start small, right? Like running a marathon, yep. you, you know, I might be motivated, but I don't have the ability to be a long distance runner. So I got to, I got to start small. Like one day I could walk around the block. That's one thing I could do. Yeah, I loved in the beginning too, in the beginning of the book, he was talking about matching your habits. So mm-hmm. you have to match them. You, like you're saying, you can't just, you have to match it with your ability. You have to match it with what you want to do. You can't make a habit. This is an interesting one because I've never heard someone say it's so definitive like this where it's, it has to mm-hmm. match what you want to do because so many people have the ambitions to say maybe read a book a week, right. but they don't really want to. They just want to like be able to say they can, you know, but if, right. you, if you want to, you have to really connect it to what you want to do and then it like flows so much easier. Mm. And, the, and the big thing is just the, his behavior change formula is a, is a matrix called the, the, the map, mm. you know, motivate, but it's an X, Y matrix. And on the, on the, on the left would be motivation, easy to do at the very bottom, very hard to do at the very top. And along the, along the, um, along the bottom line would be ability, right? Uh, hard to do at the very, at the very left. And then very easy to do at the end. So the worst place to be is something that is really hard to do that you have no ability mm-hmm. or you have no motivation that's really hard to do. That's like the worst place yeah. to be, right? You want me to read off some of the questions he asked? They're really good for the ability specifically sure. to dive into it because I thought these were really helpful because he says, do you have enough time to do the behavior? These are questions to ask yourself right. if you have the ability to do it. Right. So do you have enough time to do the behavior? Do you have enough money to do the behavior? Are you physically capable? Does the behavior require a lot of creative or mental energy? Does the behavior fit into your current routine or does it require you to make adjustments? Those are such great questions because when Mm. you're trying to design these things, you have to answer all those. If you don't answer them and you try to say someone says like, go to the gym once a day, that's, you might be able to do it for the first week, but then so much energy, so much time, you have to really calculate these things so they fit. That's a huge part. Well, how many, how many times do you need to see that, that, that behavior change is a matter of, of creating yourself, putting yourself in a, in a world where you can win? Right. Designing it, that's why they call it a lab. Like, it's a scientific process, right? Creating a situation where you're motivated. So if you have high motivation and, you have, um, and then you have desire, you got to have the third, the third element is what he calls a, a prompt. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the P and map. So M is motivation. It's either low motivation or high motivation, right? Like losing a lot of weight. A lot of people are super motivated and they don't know how. They don't mm-hmm. have the ability, all right? Or they have like massive inability because of, of installed habits. So what would be a trigger or a cue that you could install to be able to execute one tiny thing to lose weight? What would it be? 
maybe like every time they walk to the fridge. I like the one something yeah. about the fridge because you're always opening the fridge no mm-hmm. matter what time of the day it is. You have a note there, so that way you have to touch the note or something like that. You put it on the handle where it reminds you yeah. to like, grab the apple instead of the candy bar, for example, something right. like that. Some kind of cue that's just, you, like you said, and like he says in the book, it's so small, it's impossible to not succeed at it. Right. So he has he has one, and he, and he talks about the anchor. I call it an anchor. He calls it a, a I think it's, it's an, a, his, his is after I do this, I will do that. Mm-hmm. So he has something that he does every single day. Like he gets out of bed every day. So he has something called the Maui habit. Mm. So in the morning, I actually already did something like this, but in the morning, as soon as he wakes up and puts his feet on the ground, he says, it's going to be a great day. Yeah, I love that. Every yeah. day. Right. What I do when I wake, when I wake up, I take a big breath in and then I take three meditative breaths and then I get out of bed. I don't stay in bed anymore. Yeah. And I, and I, and I go into the, into the shower in my, my morning routine. I did this on a podcast yesterday. I go into a, um, I go into the bathroom where I have a kettlebell next to the tub. So I see the kettlebell. Yep. So I know I'm going in there and I brush my teeth and floss my teeth and scrape my tongue. I do that in a different order, but, and then I, I do the, I do 20 kettlebells and I do 25 pushups just every morning. Wow. And then I, then I, I go about my way myself and then I go about my day. All that stuff is in the way. Yes. Like it's a, it's a cue and now it's a habit. Right. And if you want, like if you're doing something every day, like he, what he did is after he peed, he did two pushups. Mm-hmm. He started with one. He did two. He's up to 70 a day now. And he's kind of a skinny guy. He's not like a, a beefy guy. Like he's doing 70 push-ups now um, because, of course, it builds. I think he calls it the, tra- the trailing edge, right? Like, like you do something like when you come in from Af- school, put your yeah. backpack down. But like that's the mm-hmm. edge of the habits. You can start tagging them on. That was a huge part, too, where you just tag it on to new things. Yeah, like our boy Eddie. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't manage to, after he, he drank something, or, or he couldn't manage to, he'd put the cup in the sink. Mm-hmm. It would never manage to get in the dishwasher. <laughs> he says, why do that after? I said, why don't you just change that habit out? After you finish right. a cup, put it in the dishwasher. Yeah. So I, after a while, I'm, I'm uh, cleaning up his cup, and I'm getting pissed <laughs> off, and, and, and someone's like, don't do it. Leave yeah. it there. So I started leaving it there. It was a, it was a really cool part in the book, though, that when <laughs> you when you attach it though because a lot of times you think of a habit as a totally new ha- behavior yeah. but if you attach it to something else you're like again the smallest little step instead of taking one step you take two do you remember the story did you get to that part with um or remember the one with the coffee cup the son wasn't doing any behaviors around the house or cleaning his room yeah and they like made him uh he said instead of like having him clean the dishes he's like can you just clean this one Right. pot and then he ended up doing all of it because once he yeah. got him started it was really oh everybody good. does that exactly. if you got a dirty room and you're leaving it for something um pick up one piece of clothing that's on the floor and put it away just one if you see a dirty room so after you look at your room and you say that's disgusting instead of walking away and saying i'll do it later install a new i will i will pick up one piece of clothing and place it in the hamper that act is is going to invite Sir Isaac Newton to the yep. party because you're going to pick up all of them. I'm telling you, once you get going, do you ever rake leaves? No. Oh my God. You rake leaves. There's leaves everywhere in Grew New up England. In Florida. Oh my God. Oh, that's right. Too. So in the fall, you know, we had, we had to rake the leaves, which we hated. Yeah. And I don't even know if my parents did this, but they let us rake them into a big pile. So we had a giant celebration afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we, we jump into this giant leaf pile, but it sucked. No one wanted to do it. It would take hours yeah. to get the leaves. I mean, big trees loaded with leaves. So we'd rake the leaves and at the end we'd have a celebration. So the whole, the whole part of um, the habit is two steps. You know, you do the little thing that's going to create 
the tiny habit that will create the outcome you're looking for, one thing that will contribute positively to the outcome. And once you do it, you make it so small, it's too small to fail. Right. right. It's not It's not too big to not be able to do or to forget or to put off. It's too small to fail. Like you're a loser if you don't do it. <laughs> right. Everybody take a sip out of water. Right. Um, so make it so small you can't fail because what happens is it's going to start to trigger. So your brain's going to go to work subconsciously on the problem. It's funny. Uh, what, and then after the second step is to celebrate. Whatever you do, just go like Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. I love or, that. I'm awesome. <laughs> right. Um, so the, the, the guy, I was talking to the guy, I haven't talked to him yet, but I've been kind of giving him some, some coaching because I lost a lot of weight. And I said, you got to do, I have a very simple algorithm. Like the first thing you got to do, if you want to lose weight, I don't play with the food at all. I don't play with anything. I just start the experiment. I said, you got to do one thing every morning. You got to wake up and get on the scale. Like if it's sitting in your, and make it in the way of the way into your bedroom, into your bathroom. So you got to walk by it, you jump on it and then put a little piece of paper and record that. So what you're doing now is you're seeing the output of the experiment daily. You're getting feedback. Mm -hmm. So now you're bringing your brain into the equation because when you're sleeping, your brain may start to think of ways to, to help you solve this problem. And then you add to the experiment. Right. The second thing I had him do, this is a four-step algorithm to weight loss. The second thing I had him do is count every calorie just for fun, rounded, rounded down uh, every calorie that crosses your lips for the day. Rounded down or rounded up? I rounded down to make him feel better. Gotcha. Right. So, I mean, you can, instead of like something's 50 calories, call it, call that, get those for free. Anything over 50 is 100 calories. So just count it, make it easy because yeah. you'll eat the same few foods. So you know about what you're eating. You know, if you're eating, carton of ice cream. I mean, people that are that big eat like 10,000 calories worth of food. Yeah. Um, so you just got to count that. So now you're given the brain and then the next day you're, you're, you're also on the scale. So you're given the brain data. Yeah. And the next, the third step is try swapping something out that will create a calorie deficit from your old habit. So if it's Diet Coke or Cokes to Diet Cokes, my, in my brother's case, Bud Light, Bud to Bud Light, <laughs> 50 calories per beer. There you go. Per day times five, I guess. That's a lot. It is, yeah. Yeah. So if he's having five beers a day, you know, which a lot of people drink beers and wine, that's calories. Um, and then the last thing is install is start drinking water. So all of those things, that four-step algorithm over time will create a massive habit. If he's mm -hmm. stepping on a scale every day, he can see the data. If he's counting his calories, he has a basis for an experiment. If he's putting himself in a little bit of a deficit, he's creating a little bit of a move. Um, and then drinking the water. All small things, and the little hinge, of course, swings the big door. That's right. Yeah. And when you were talking about that chart, isn't like the top of the chart or the uh, where the best ones are the golden behaviors? There's three criteria. Do you remember them for the golden behaviors? Well, why don't you enlighten us? Yeah. Instead of calling me out on my own podcast. <laughs> it's uh, the three things are the behavior is effective in realizing your aspiration, which is the impact it makes in your life. So it's mm -hmm. got to align with your life. You want to do the behavior, like you have the natural motivation, not something you just mm. you don't want to do, and then you can do it, the ability. So it's impact, motivation, and ability. That equals a golden behavior, and those are the ones that you want to start with. Right, uh, and Duhigg, and I think it was Duhigg called them key, keystone behaviors. Mm. The ones that'll like anchor your life. The keystone is the top of the, of the arc that, that it's the most important key. It keeps the, the arc that supports itself, the Greek, the Greek arcs. The keystone's that 
kind of weird looking shape that drops in there to, to, to support it. Um, the keystone behavior. So it, like, like look at the big ones. And of course, everyone, if you look at what are the big bad habits in our lives right now, what do you think they are? Okay. Eating too much, mm-hmm. drinking too much. Screens. Motivate, uh, telephone, uh, telephone time, TV right? and screens. Yeah. Sugar. What else? Hmm. Sitting, like sitting too long. Yeah, yeah, sedentary lifestyle. So what are, what are some things you can do? Like if you're drinking alcohol, I'll give you a good little hack that, I've, that I teach people. Some people drink a lot, a lot of alcohol. I have a lot of friends that drink a lot of alcohol. Like I, was, I ran with that tribe. And people are drinking eight, ten drinks a day. And I said, well, after you drink a drink, all right, an alcoholic drink, order a water. Mm-hmm. It'll slow you down. Yeah. Like you run out of time. You'll start drinking less. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to cut your drinking down in half is just order water and make yourself drink the water before you get another drink. Um, so if you want to run a marathon, like get into shapes, like I want to run a marathon, like a lot, you'll see a lot of like heavy people say, I'm going to run a marathon. They make this public declaration, which is very important, but it's also the potential for torture. You can yeah. torture yourself sub- subconsciously. If you don't deliver, you've embarrassed yourself and you're already feeling shitty. Yeah. So instead of saying that, say something that's like, you know, create a reasonable goal and then an action that, you know, after you get up in the morning, you'll walk around the block, right? You'll walk outside or you'll walk around the yard and come back in. And the next day, and by the way, when you do that, you might very well keep going. That's Mm -hmm. the whole basis of tiny habits. And then uh, like like sugar, like what what could you do to reduce sugar? What's one tiny thing? I like to say... Pick one day where you don't have sugar, or even just one meal. Like, say it's a week. Like, yeah. we, we have, we goes by days and weeks, but it's really easy to say, okay, every Saturday for breakfast or whatever one meal mm-hmm. is, you don't have sugar. So then that becomes your routine. You don't even have to think about it. It's just that meal every week, the same day, the same day of the week, the same time, you don't have sugar. And then you build on that. Right. I think that that's the simplest way. It's so small, but that's the best thing to do. Well, yeah, I mean, food. you can stop buying it and having it at home. I mean, enough people yeah. eat enough sugar. Um, so there's also there's also a, a prompt where, like, um, or a process to troubleshoot your behavior. Like, mm-hmm. if you what's sugar? So is it the prompt? Is are you seeing sugar in your line of sight? I mean, right. is it visually available to you? Are you? Because you're going to get like a, a feeling of, of, of craving for sugar. But if you can remove the prompt, you'll, your craving will go down. All right. Is there an ability issue? Like you're clearly able not to eat sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you may very well have to detox. So that, you know, yeah. the sugar might be a weird example. But is it something you can do or you can't do? So if you can't do it, you, you need to go back to a lower domino. You need to go back to something else you can do so you can get a win. Yeah. And the whole thing is, uh, you know, are you motivated? Do you want this? Do you really want it? Do you want to change? That's the one I see most common is that when people say like, they always ask me how I stay motivated or what's the key to motivation. It's really, I think the strongest driver is finding something that really mm. drives you. Like, so you don't, you don't have to like push yourself. It's something that you want so badly. Like for example, if someone's, they want to stop sugar, but they're a little overweight and they're doing fine. They're, maybe they're even running marathons, but not as fast as they want. They're not really going to cut out sugar. But if they're like, if they just got like a doctor's notice that they're going to die if they stop eating sugar, if they don't stop eating for the next three months and they have a kid on the way, they're going to be highly motivated because it really attaches. But it's the same goal is to stop eating sugar. Yeah, survival is the ultimate motivation. So if, you're, if, it, if it threatens your survival, the motivation will go up immediately. Right. Uh, but another thing, you know, there's five elements of survival now and now, because this is from uh, Riveted, you know, what makes, what are people compelled about? People are compelled about making money, saving money, saving time, 
elevating their status or connecting with others. So if you're, if you want to get those in your life, I mean, status and, and connection are very, very important. Money, of course, is important. Time is everything. Uh, time's a currency, but motivation comes from the, those outcomes. So you can't just say, I want to make a million dollars or I want to be blue check on Facebook <laughs> yeah. or Instagram. Uh, you got to build up to that. You got to do something. You can't do that without posting one post or coming up with one consistent message. Speaking of posting, people ask me about YouTube too. They'll be like, right. how do you uh, grow on YouTube or I want to start YouTube? And my first question is why? Because they don't realize that right. it's not fun if you don't mm. enjoy making videos. It's just like right. any other business. But I like for me, I make videos all the time and I love it and I love the outcome and it's something I would do without the business side of things. So that's my first question is like, are you doing it just for mon money for a lucrative career? Because then you got to look at it that way and remember that because if you're doing it because you think it's going to lead to freedom, there's a long road for that. Right. And you better like, you better like that you're doing it or enjoy the process. Yeah, because you post on YouTube because you want to connect with others and elevate right. your status. Yeah. You want to be an elite dunker. Yeah. And you want to be a thought leader and a motivator. Mm -hmm. So that's that's it's not for money, but it, it, money will very very well show up at the dance if you do the first two right. well. Um, so if, what, what's, I'm going to end with this. What's one habit you want to change or install and plot the current behavior on that matrix, okay, and put a link in the... In the, in, the, sure. in, the, in the thing to because if you go to tinyhabits.com this matrix is there it's a very simple matrix you got motivation up the left side the top is very very highly motivated the bottom is very low and then down the bottom you got ability very very easy on the right and very hard to do so the worst place you can be is the bottom left hand corner and then prompt the put the prompt on that model and there's a line where the ability and the motivation kind of goes. It's like a, a U-curve and you're going to plot it. You want to be above, uh, like if you have a medium motivation, but you want to go to like slightly easy uh, ability and prompt a cue and you drop a cue right in there. Something that's going to cue you to do the right behavior as small as humanly possible, too small to fail. Yep. And do that and you'll start to develop a algorithm because this is all algorithms, mm -hmm. right? If I see this, I do that. After I do this, I do that. That's an algorithm. It's a set of steps. And once you do it enough times, it, it lands in your basal ganglia, which is your automaticity. Oh. Hope you enjoyed it.